Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll remind you that you are a walking billboard. I'll also be interviewing Tracy Goodwin, who is an expert at helping individuals find their voice and share it with the world. Over the last 30 years, Tracy has coached hundreds of people around the globe, including CEOs, leading Hollywood actors, entrepreneurs, and leading influencers on how to sound more confident and make a big impact with their message. For more information about Tracy and to work with her, please visit CaptivateTheRoom.com. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. You are walking billboard. When I was younger, my dad always said, we judge others by their behaviors, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. And that's really true when you think about it. If you're in a conversation with somebody and you have this benevolent intent, or in other words, you really want to help them, but your behaviors aren't indicating that, then it perhaps could cause a rift between the two of you. I remember when I was first starting out in my career, I was a clinical manager of a program and I was really excited about it. And I was there for about a month and I heard from the director that the staff weren't getting along with me. And I was really surprised by that because I thought we had a good interaction. But the feedback that I got was, I seem unapproachable. It usually looks like I'm scowling or I walk too fast. Those simple behaviors that I didn't realize I was doing, unfortunately, caused a divide between us. And what I thought was a good relationship apparently was not a good relationship. So a minor adjustment can make a major improvement. I talk with the staff and let them know when I'm in more of a business mode or more of a managerial mode, it's a little bit different than how I present when I'm not in that role. Meaning I'm more focused on the outcomes and I'm not there specifically for chit chat. And once they got to know me, they understood that I was very approachable, that if I walk too fast, it's because I have a lot on my mind. And if I'm scowling, I'm probably deep in thought. The workaround with that was, I told my staff I would do my best to work on that. And if they saw me scowl or walk too fast, then they had every right to still come up and talk to me because we were working together to be an effective team. Now that's a really good lesson for all of us. So let's say you go into a room and you walk into the room and people look at you, what do they see? Do they see an angry person? Do they see a thoughtful person? Do they see a kind person? You get to decide how you present yourself. But the difference is, is if you're not mindful about that, unfortunately, we can get so lost in our head that we miss an opportunity to encourage somebody. We miss an opportunity to perhaps meet somebody who could open a door for us. When we are unapproachable, we miss out on so many opportunities. Now, I'm not saying you should talk to everybody that's out there. I'm simply saying, when you are aware of how you're presenting to the world around you, you change that environment. If you're really angry when you walk into a room, the anger is going to radiate off of you and it's going to change the environment and make it very uncomfortable. Another way to know how you really present yourself is if you go into a room and people are so excited to see you, more than likely that's congruent or equal with who you really are. 
<laughs> Conversely, if you go into that same room and people are like, oh my gosh, there's James again, and they turn their back, well, that's probably another indication that I may not be presenting the way I truly am. So the lesson today is very simple. Make sure that whatever you're thinking and whatever you're doing lines up with your behaviors. And the more often you can do that, the more you will start to influence your environment and the people around you. I have a fantastic interview today with Tracy Goodwin. She's going to help you specifically in how to work through your vocal masks and how to be the authentic version of yourself so that your message is audible to the world around you. So stay tuned. If you're anything like me, you love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. Do you ever wonder why your message isn't resounding? Maybe you haven't found your real voice. Tracy Goodwin is an expert at helping individuals find their voice and share it with the world. Over the last 30 years, Tracy has coached hundreds of people around the globe, including CEOs, leading Hollywood actors, entrepreneurs, and leading influencers on how to sound more confident and make a big impact with her message. Welcome to my show, Tracy. Oh, thank you so much, James. I'm so glad to be here with you. I am looking forward to this as well. I don't know if you know this about me, but I was actually a vocal performance major in undergrad. So now I remember all my vocal training, my resonators, my articulators, and I'm planning to use them accordingly. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's so great. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's interesting about, about your story is I was reading your backstory, and it sounds like you grew up in a, in a wonderful household, but the children were, were, I guess, supposed to be more silent and kind of just do their own thing and just kind of be off in the... In the in the background. Was that how it was for you? It really was. And it was, it was an extreme version of children uh-huh. are to be seen. And oh, not really? Heard. Okay. Wow. It, it really was. It was, you don't share emotion. You don't express your feelings. Your desires, wants, dreams, goals does not matter. Do not speak it. And oh. for the love of everything, do not say no. Wow. Okay. Right. So it was pretty extreme. I mean, it like was, a- a, it was navigating on eggshells. Mm-hmm all the time. Wow. Yeah. And with that, that's what, what I found was so ironic was the fact that you and I are a vocal, prefer- or vocal trainer, vocal coach, and you were able to find your voice. Walk me through that. What, what happened for you that things started to change for you? Well, you know, I think so much of it, I, I can see in retrospect. Uh-huh. At the time, I just wanted to be heard. Yeah. I just wanted to be heard. And I stumbled into sp- speech and drama. Oh, really? Interesting. Mm -hmm. Right? At the age of 12. And so talk about a platform to be heard. Yeah. Right? And and that was fine. You know, I could go down there and use my voice. And so I literally started competitive speaking at the age of 12. Really? Mm -hmm. By 16, I was, you know, traveling all over, award-winning speaker. And I I was going to be an actor. And I went to college to be an actor, you know, but that was not the ultimate plan. Sure. It's usually it never is. <laughs> no, right? Right? But, that's but, that's, but that's how it morphed. And uh, that gave me a platform to use my voice. And honestly, I think about it all the time. If I hadn't found that platform, mm-hmm. what platform would I have found? Sure. 
Sure, you know? exactly. Yeah, because from what from what you said, I mean, it sounds like you're pretty stifled. Your your creative side was pretty stifled in your household, and obviously, no judgment there because you're very you're. I'm sure your family's wonderful. But with that, it also allows for you to say, okay, yeah, if I, with that, just like you said, if I didn't have that opportunity, what type of person would I be? And sometimes that's, it's, it's novel to think about it, but sometimes it's a little disconcerting because <laughs> you're like, I love who I am today. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm so, I'm so grateful for every piece of it. Of course. You know, and I love that you said that. I'm, I'm sure your family's loving. I, they, they are. Of course. Yeah. And I don't think any of it was intentional. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Most people, you know, when we look back on our family system and we say, well, I love this about my family. I love this about my parents and things I don't love as well. But the reality is more than likely they're doing just what they know, you know, and that's That's really what it boils down to. There's no, no negative or no, um, there was no nefarious types of thoughts about that. They just did what they knew. That's it. I mean, I was the fourth child. My mom was tired. It, you know, it was, it, you know, I, I was a little over dramatic. They tell me, I don't know, but, you know, so there's, Which works there's well no, in your favor, right? There's no angst. There's no anger. Sure. It, you know, they did the best they could. And, and it really, I'm grateful for it. Of course. When you yeah. were in college though, you were, I guess, performing and something happened. Uh, what happened? Well, so I'm, I'm raised in this family where uh-huh. I can't really say no, I can't complain. You don't express emotion. And I was cast in a play as a freshman, which anybody that knows anything about theater will know that's a big deal. Oh, of course. Yeah. Right. And it was a play I had been in before. It had a slap scene in it. And Uh the young man that was playing opposite of me started literally hitting me. Oh my gosh. And then started literally beating my face. What? And I, and I, because I was so terrified to use my voice to go and tell someone in authority, hey, stop this. I never said anything and never said anything. Oh my God, three- Tracy, I'm so sorry. Well, three nights before we opened, he broke my nose. And it, I mean, it was horrible. And my friend, I'll never forget, he said, that's it. We're, he was in the show. He said, it, that's it. You have to stop this. And I literally went shaking to the director and I said, is there any way you could ask him to stop hitting me? I mean, this was a huge thing for me. It was yeah, very hard. Of course, of course it was. And she looked at me and she said, you have chosen a profession in which you must suffer for your art. And if what? you can't, I'll replace you. And in that instant, James, I started talking like this in that instant. Wow. And that's where Psychology of the Voice was born. Mm. That literally that phrase shifted how I used my voice. Wow. But it was, I mean, it was a very hard moment in my yeah, life. I'm sure it was. I'm so sorry. Because I, I know my listeners are going to say, well, what happened to that man? Was he, or that boy, was he, was he, did he get in trouble at all? No. Wow. Well, look at you today. You've, yeah. you've, you've, you've worked with so many amazing people. And with that, that's, you know, it's so unfortunate, but through every stumbling block, there's a stepping stone. hundred percent. And, you know, I don't think I would have gotten to study under the great voice masters mm-hmm. if that hadn't happened, sure. yeah. right? I changed universities. I was still doing acting and the, the head of acting, she said, the first thing she said to me was, you're really talented. But we've got to fix that voice, <laughs> right? And and I didn't even know it had shifted. Sure. So yeah. I that was really the foundation of the work that I do today. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Tell mm-hmm. me about psychology of the voice. 
So there was that experience, mm-hmm. and then I was fascinated with dialects, mm-hmm. and I I, I start I did dialects in shows. In the early years of my career, I was coaching actors, teaching them dialects. Really? And strangely, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Wow. And strangely, this enough business people were contacting me to remove their dialects. Wow. So I was fascinated with why does the Irish sound Irish, and why I'm from Texas. Why do I uh-huh. sound Texan? And I'm a deep researcher. So I started researching and I discovered that it's sense of belonging. The subconscious okay. actually puts the voice in and the Irish baby needs to fit in in Ireland with their family, sure. the Texan. So that's how it started. And then I started noticing business people sitting in front of me and they would, they would come. They wanted to sound more confident and they would have a voice like this. And I didn't know it at the time what I was that I was actually a voice intuitive, but I would ask them questions like, do you have siblings? And they would say, I have six older sisters. Oh, there you go. And literally, <laughs> there was always a story. Yes. There was always a psychological piece that was holding that voice habit in place that wasn't ultimately serving them. Wow. That's so fascinating. That really is fascinating. And with that, that's... I mean, I'm thinking about my own, my own dialect, my own, uh, how I speak as well. Um, I grew up, so I was born in Michigan. I was mm-hmm. raised in Canada since I was the time I was four, all the way until um, 18 when I went off to university. So well, let me back up. Half the year was in Canada, half the year was in the States. So I went to a school um, in the States, but the other half of the year I lived permanently in Canada. And so that was my, my permanent address. And so for me, I, I've, I've changed it quite a bit, but I would have like a Canadian, Spanish, American accent. And mm-hmm. so at times I can hear it come out um, with certain ways, certain words I say, like, for example, um, the word B-E-E-N, Ben, I guess mm. you say, I would say bean. And so there are mm-hmm. times when I, when, I, uh, when I don't allow my, when I allow my real voice, I suppose, to come out, I hear the dialect, I hear the different things that I say. Um, that, and people are like, where did that come from? And I'm like, I don't know, where did that come from? <laughs> because I'd like to think I've done a pretty good job at, at hiding some, not hiding, but just changing, morphing some of that into who I am today. But sometimes, you know, it does, it does revert, or my voice does revert to the different accents that I had when I was younger, which is quite, quite interesting. Well, I love what you just said, because that to me is what it's ultimately all about. Mm-hmm. You Basically, what I heard you just say is now I found the real me. Yes. And you are revealing sure. the best version of you through your voice. hundred like percent, yeah. right? So many people don't. Yeah, that's They've got to be professional or they've got to be this or they've got to be that or they're worried about judgment and they mm-hmm. put up all these voice masks. Yeah, that, that's actually very true. What would, would, what would you say is the, is the number one reason why people do that? I think at the core, it goes back to sense of belonging, mm-hmm. but the awareness piece of it is people are so worried about judgment. Sure. That makes sense. I want to fit in. I want to be like them. I remember working with a gal and she had a real nasal sound mm-hmm. and she, in the middle of our work together, she said, you know, I didn't always talk this way. And oh. I said, well, why did you start? And she said, because the prettiest girl in high school talked this way. Oh, goodness. So she literally wanted to be like the prettiest girl in high school and created a voice mask mm. that sounded like hers. Wow. Well, the ironic part is that's not, in my opinion, that's not attractive. <laughs> if you're no. trying to sound like something like that, no. which no offense to people who have a nasally voice, but in that, in that instance, it doesn't sound like it's most attractive. <laughs> well, and it wasn't who she really was. Sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's that judgment piece. If I really express... 
that's one of the things I, I, I love about listening to you. You, I know how you feel. I know who you are, right? <laughs> better or worse. <laughs> no, that's such a positive, right? Thank you. But there's so many people that get locked up in, sure. I've got to get these words right, and I can't express my feeling because that's not professional yeah. or, or whatever it is. And that's what we're longing for. Certainly. That's how we connect is, ah, I get you and you get me. And and people are so hesitant. And I think a lot of it just becomes about habit. Yeah, that's very true. That's I very true. I create a habit that mm-hmm. I don't express myself and I don't raise my voice and everything sounds the same. And mm-hmm. and then we're and then people are left wondering, why am I not making the impact sure. that I want to make with my message? Let's transition into that. Why do you think, you know, let's say I speak a certain way, like if I were to speak a certain way around my peers and then I'm on stage. Why would, why would you think that I would, why would most people be incongruent or not be the same? I mean, I know you said as far as wanting to appear a certain way, but what is it, uh, I guess, overall that really ha- has us create these vocal masks? I mean, I guess that's kind of that you answered that earlier, I suppose. Yeah. And, and the vocal masks can be any kind of thing. Mm-hmm. A lo- and, and I think that there's a lot of misconceptions in people's minds. I'll get the question all the time. What's my video voice? Mm, well, it's, it's, it's still you. Mm-hmm. What's my stage voice? You know, people, I think, believe for somehow, or maybe they've heard it or they perceive that they have to be something else. Sure. But then there's also the piece, you know, the internal piece is, I'm fine talking to you, but then put me up in front of 400 people mm-hmm. and, well, that's a different thing and I've got to get this right <laughs> yeah. and I don't know what they're thinking. And, yeah. And it's the subconscious trying to keep us safe. Sure. You better, you better stop that, right? I remember when I was when I was younger, I did a lot of stage work as well, and I it, I, I remember the different voices. You know, you have your stage voice, or at least mm-hmm. back then I did. And now I like to think, you know, and I'm still morphing into the person I'm going to be to become. But now I like to think I'm much more uh, more personable. So when I am on stage now. I, I laugh a lot more. I joke more. I stumble over my words, and I and I it doesn't bother me in the sense of mm-hmm. I don't have to be this perfectionist person. Where young, when I was younger, I thought I had to. So now, you know, even now, as, as I'm talking to you, I hear myself tripping over my words, and you know, for better or worse, that that is me when I get excited about something. And so my conscious thought when I want to be a, a more professional speaker, if you will, is to slow down my thoughts more, so therefore I can articulate what I want to say much more um, eloquently. And that's being in control of the conversation. Mm-hmm. That's not becoming someone exactly. different. Yeah. And that's what too many people do. I, again, I love what you just said because I call that bits of you, <laughs> you know, and, and that, that means we can connect with you. Right. And I always tell people, what are the bits of you? Do you snort laugh? Do you, <laughs> do you talk fast? Do you get, you know, or do you have a little sarcasm? You know, not, you're not going to go extreme sure. and, and people have that fear. Yeah. A lot of people have that, you know, it's very black and white in their mind. I'm professional or I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm this or I'm not. And that's just not true. How do you help people bring in those bits of, the, of themselves into their vocal, into their message? Well, one of the things that I do is get them out of their head mm-hmm. because the voice is the orchestra of the heart. Yes, it is. And so if we're up in our head trying to get the words right and trying to get perfect and and we're disconnected from the body. Uh-huh. And, I, you know, I've heard you talk about my uh, mind, body, soul. Uh-huh. I talk about uh, mind, body, voice. Oh, I love that. And it's very, in my mind, it's very similar. Sure. So stop focusing on getting the words just mm-hmm. right. Ground into your heart. That's where your message is. Uh, that's 
when you're going to automatically, organically bring those bits of you. And I think that's really important because I think often when we do have a, a professional speaking engagement or just that may be for some people, other people just speak in general to, to their peers, which is also getting your message across. But I think when we, we often are, look at the content of what we want to say, which is important, but the, the actual presentation of how do I make sure that people know it's me so they, they trust me and can then hear what I have to say. So I think that's essentially what you're saying as well. Absolutely. You have to let me in. Mm -hmm. You have to let me in. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. They have barriers in their voice when they're trying to get it right. All of a sudden, now I'm talking at you and you feel how everything changed mm -hmm. and, and you, I'm not yes. letting you in because, and that's what we do. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens when we get so locked into, I've got to get this perfect. I've got to get this right. What are they thinking? I'm not doing it right. You know, that there's this disconnect within us. I can't, you can't connect to me if I'm not connected to anything. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Because subconsciously, yeah, we will trust you or we won't trust you. That's it. That's it. The, the scientific studies on what the subconscious discerns mm -hmm. from the voice mm -hmm. are incredible. What would be one exercise that you would have people do? One thing I would have them do is get in the now, mm -hmm. which you might think, okay, what does that have anything to do with voice? Well, when you're in the past and sure. the future, that's when the hesitation and the doubt mm -hmm. and all of the fear and all that's all in the past and the future. Sure. If I'm right here right now, that's when my voice is going to work. That's one of the things that I would have people do. But I would ask people to start working from the place of what do I really want them to know? Mm. You know, that's, that's, that's funny because the way I always tell people as well is you want to work backwards in the sense of what's the takeaway? What's my objective? So that mm. when we're done, what do I want my audience to know? What do, I want them, what do I want them to feel? And so that I always tell people, if you can really hone in on that, then you just reverse engineer it. And then you, you start your platform with that objective in mind. And then everything you say and do works towards that, that goal. And at the end, you've accomplished what you've set out to do. Yes. Yes. And you just said the, the silver lining in voice is what do you want them to feel? Yeah. And we don't, you know, most people think about the words. It goes back to the words. And I'm not criticizing of the course, words. Yeah. The words are critical. But we forget to bring that emotion in, mm -hmm. that feeling. I want you to feel excited. Then I've got to put sure. that in my voice. The famous poet uh, Maya Angelou, and I'm totally going to butcher what she said. But she said, people, people may not remember what you do, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Yes. And I think that's a beautiful quote uh, because it's true. I mean, I could, you know, you and I, we may not remember the content of what we say, but I'll know once I hang up with you, you know, when I think about you in the future, I had a fantastic time with Tracy. She did, she's yeah. a wonderful person and I just enjoyed speaking with her. So, I mean, there's so many wonderful things that we create that emotional snapshot. And then in the future, when we think about it, then that's how we say, yes, I want to meet with that person again. I want to look that person up. Or I want to remember what, what we talked about. So let me research them even more. Yes. And that's building the emotional connection mm -hmm. that goes so far beyond words, yeah. right? You know, there's this connection. We don't live in the same place. We might not be interested in the same hobbies. We might not even like the same kind of pie, but we, we, there's a feeling there. Sure. A that's bond. a connection. Yeah. yeah. Then it comes from the voice. Yeah. That's exactly right. You know, and I'm thinking more of with the neural, the, the, I guess the neuropsychology of things, because we have what's called oxytocin. So oxytocin is a social hormone that usually is connected when people make eye contact and more so when you have physical connection. So a, a, what is it? A 
a hug lasting longer than 20 seconds incites oxytocin in the brain. But I'm hearing this as well, and I'm and I don't know all the research about it, but I'm assuming that oxytocin is also created as well when someone is having this dialogue or people when they're on stage as well, especially if you create that emotional connection, oxytocin is created. And therefore that does create that social bond of wanting people to be closer to each other and get to know each other more. Yes. Yes. And it all goes back to feeling. Yeah, I'm, does. I'm, I made you feel something, <laughs> you right? Did, yeah. If everything's the same value, yeah. you know, then I don't really know what I'm supposed to yeah. feel. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I had a fantastic time with you, Tracy. If my yeah. listeners want to find out more information about you, to work with you, to learn more about you, where would they find this information online? Best place to find me for everything is CaptivateTheRoom.com. Perfect. My listeners know that if they're not able to find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at this in this particular episode at JamesMillerLifeology.com, and it will link you back with Tracy Goodwin. Tracy, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. I really appreciate all your wisdom. Thank you for having me. I loved the conversation. My pleasure. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.